Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. And on this Wednesday afternoon, I'm joined by John Hughes. Apologies if we're a few seconds late. Just when you think everything's in line and everything's working perfectly, John, you get an injury or two or a bit of tech doesn't work. I'm starting to feel like Brendan Rodgers. John, I'm delighted that you're on today. Obviously, young Patrick um, stepped in on Monday, so he's not going to be joining us. But you and I are going to be talking about the current state of things at Celtic Park. I mean, how quickly does do, do these things change? One minute, you are basically surfing along nicely on a treble wave. Brendan Rodgers comes in. Everything seemed good, but there's a few problems in the camp at the moment, John. How are you feeling about it? Well, trying very hard to be balanced about it mm-hmm. uh, and trying very hard not to be anxious about it. But these are essentially the same problems that we've been looking at now for, uh, in terms of uh, squad depth, etc., we've been talking about for a couple of months. Uh, with the new addition of the tactics, which appear to have gone over everybody's head, uh, and so between that, so we've, we've got the transfers out, very little transfers in, we've got a tactical switch, which is causing a bit of havoc, and we have injuries galore. We've basically got an entire team out injured, uh, not a very good team, to be fair, but the entire team out injured. Uh, half of them are good. Um, so, you know, it's with only 10 days left, or less than 10 days in the, the transfer window, I mean, it's, it's stressful stuff because I, I don't believe, based on what's happened so far, I, I don't believe there is necessarily a big queue of people 
uh, waiting to sign. Uh, I, I, you, you just get the feeling that that's not what's happened here. Uh, and yeah, I'm starting. I'm starting to get anxious about it. I think everyone is really. I think, and that anxiety sort of presents itself in different ways, whether it's anger or disappointment or frustration. Um, but I think we're all pretty anxious, Paul. There, there is definitely anxiety um, floating about the Axom team as well, John. And you know there are various takes on it, disagreements on it. What I would say is that you know in relation to. Where did it all go wrong at Rugby Park? You ask that question, John, uh, on a Monday, and all of a sudden you've got people coming at you saying, why are you being so negative about Celtic? And you think, well, we're talking about a performance that was so below par, we got beat by Kilmarnock and bounced out the League Cup. Of course we're going to talk about it. Of course we're going to look at the reasons why, John, the reasons that we think might be causing the issue. But as you say, it's multifaceted, this issue. We were bouncing along... Um, under Ange Postacoglu there. And, you know, I'm now thinking, what would the pre-season have looked like had things continued as we would have expected them to? That moment where someone has taken a picture of him with Dermot Desmond in the reception at Celtic Park has now become a pivotal moment. You know, with hindsight, it now appears that we look back on that time as a conversation whereby there were plans for the season ahead, talking in relation to the transfers that were coming in, John. The chat was we were going to be spending big money in the transfer market. Um, and then he leaves. The plans may have changed. I think that when you look at what we would have done in the um, transfer window this pre-season um, is absolutely gone. You know, would we have gone into the Japanese market again? Would we have obviously signed players that maybe Ange had lined up? The project uh, stroke prospect signings uh, in the mix obviously have already gone through, but it, it really has knocked us off course a wee bit, John. And I think that we're now, as Celtic supporters, looking at um, every single performance, trying to identify what's going wrong there listening to every post-match uh, chat that we're getting from the likes of Callum McGregor, Brendan Rodgers, trying to figure out um, if there's any hidden meanings or anxiety there. Um, and, you know, then we're discussing it on a daily basis. Before you know it, we're halfway through the week. St. Johnston will be upon us, you know, in a few days. And then the transfer window will slam shut until January. And we've got in between times, as well as all the domestic games, the big match on the 3rd of September, the Champions League game on either the 19th or the 20th of September. And my concern is, you know, even if we get all the injured players back, there's going to be a period of them bedding back in, getting back up to March sharpness. So we're in a situation now we've not been in for a while, John, for at least, you know, two, two pre-seasons ago when Ange first came in, I felt the same kind of anxiety. He inherited four sure, a worst set of players, a worst team, a worst squad. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll go through the tactics. And I think you're right in what you say. You can't just talk about one issue. You've got to basically break up each area of that team at the moment, John. What's the issues yeah. at the back? What, what's happening in the well, midfield? Uh, uh, do you know, again, they were so overwhelmingly bad uh, at the weekend that it took me... Uh, I was trying to get my head around what was happening. Because, look... I mean, I don't, uh, you know, claim to be some sort of tactical genius. Uh, and I think it's only right that I couldn't really see what was happening because I'm pretty sure the players didn't know what was going on either based on what the, what was happening. Um, 
But what I would say is if you take each segment of the pitch, which is the only way to do it because it was so overwhelmingly poor, um, you know, problems at the back. So we've got two brand new centre-halves playing with each other. Um, and, you know, they are playing tippy-tappy around the back, uh, extremely slow distribution, uh, going backwards and forwards between each other as if they're scared to pass it to anybody else uh, and the back four. And then even when they pass it into the midfield, it's coming straight back to them. Um, so centre-halves alone, you're looking at, towards the end, I, I had real flashbacks to the end of Rodgers last time and even uh, the end of like, Lenny, when the the, the centre-half towards the end are pushing up so far, our entire team is almost in the last third of the pitch. There's no space for anybody there to do anything. That's mm-hmm. a leveller. You know, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't have an inch of space, you're going to do nothing. You know, it's uh, the chances of you actually getting something, it becomes a fluke. It becomes purely down to luck. You know, uh, if you want to have a leveller against poorer quality players, everyone play in the last third of the pitch. You know, and that's what they were doing. So they, they were pushing up at the end. And at the start, they were trying to ping balls forward and it wasn't accurate enough and it wasn't good enough. Then you've got the fullback situation. This is just the defence. So Anthony Ralston is is okay. You know, I know some people will be screaming blue murder. Uh, I reckon he's okay um, at the moment. Uh, he had a good game against Aberdeen. Not so great the other day, but he wasn't one of the, the main offenders. Uh, Greg Taylor at this point, I now feel sorry, sorry for. I never thought I'd say that. I, I actually feel bad for the lad. Uh, you know, he's he's obviously his confidence is wrecked. Mm-hmm. You know, he look he really really looks fearful, um, and with good reason to an extent. You know, he has not benefited from this either. Uh, and here here's a question: What are the fullbacks doing? Okay. So t- Tony yeah. Ralston is a man. Tony Ralston is a man who's primary weapon is he gets to the byline and he whips in a wicked ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's great with balls uh, when he, uh, his delivery when he comes down towards the box. He's great with that. Fantastic with that. That's what he's best at. He's great at running up there. Nothing. Nothing. I don't know what Taylor's doing. One minute he's playing inverted in the midfield. You know, the next minute he's... he's I mean, I don't know what they're doing. I don't think they know what they're doing. You know, so... And that's... Just to be clear, we've only covered the back four, right? Yeah. So you know, I mean, uh, what, what do you, what do you think the instructions are to the fullbacks, Paul? Because I, I don't know. Well, I was looking when when Rogers came in. It was one of the big questions that we asked in around the you know in the inverted fullbacks that were deployed by Ange. It was a, a big talking point, John. It's something I certainly can never remember it, you know, being uh, used in that way in a Celtic side previous to Ange Postacoglu. Um, I, I look at fullbacks in a traditional sense, the overlapping fullback, and, and you look at Celtic, and I know things have changed over the years, but, you know, in the first time under Brendan Rodgers, we did use largely Kieran Tierney at left-back, Mikelis to get right-back. And obviously, Terry was a lot more mobile than, than Lustig, and generally he was the one that would overlap. He would be the traditional overlapping fullback. Lustig would then tuck in at the back, and it was very clear, John, that's what we would do. We would revert to a back three when on attack. 
I can't see that shape. I really can't see the shape as obviously when I'm watching Brendan Rodgers' team now. Now, I'm trying to figure out, is it a transition from that hard and fixed inverted fullback position that and had them had them playing for two years and they were comfortable playing it. I mean Ralston was comfortable playing it. Or is it a case of them basically just um, completely tearing that up and saying, no, you aren't just going to be a traditional fullback. And I was talking to James earlier. James was telling me that uh, Brennan Rogers used inverted fullbacks at Leicester. You go further back than that, he even used it at Liverpool. And I think the big question is at the moment, under the circumstances Johnston may or may not return to the side uh, against St. Johnston. He's back in training, of course. We don't have um, the quality to to drop Greg Taylor right now and bring someone else in. I know that some people might disagree and think that Burnaby deserves his chance. I just think at the moment we're quite fractured. And if we can try and make the changes from within rather than wholesale changes in the personnel, then why not do it? Um, and obviously this is a chat that's been raging on, John, because on the one hand, I'm thinking, right, stick to what you know just now until we settle this down and, you know, this, we're, we, we managed to navigate the stormy waters and all this kind of stuff. Or you dig you, you dig your heels in, you stick to your guns as Brennan Rodgers and you say, no, why does that mean that I've got to play Andy's way? I'll play my way. Um, and I don't think I would certainly view it like that because if you win the game of football, John, then people aren't going to be looking at all the nuances of that and they're not going to think less of you as a manager. Um, if, if you just think to yourself, there's too much changes happening here, let's revert back to what was working in the last two years and get through it. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, everything he's doing here has nullified our greatest assets and our biggest threats. Mm-hmm. So we had we did have rampaging fullbacks. Now we've got guys who are offering nothing. Um, we did have a, a fairly solid midfield with the help of the fullbacks. Now our midfield is in tatters. Callum McGregor looks like he's not kicked a ball, and that's entirely down to the tactics. He might not be playing as well as he was, but that's to me, that is because of the tactics. He mm. is not getting the ball through him. Uh, he, you know, you've got the likes of him in tumble scrapping for second balls, and even Brendan Rodgers said that at one point, and I said to myself, oh, where are we now, Jack Charlton's boys? I mean, what's this? You know, you've got two wee men, athletic, you know, skillful players scrapping for second balls against hammer throwers from Kelly. What's that? You know, it's, it's madness. You know, so we are nullifying the midfield, which was made strong and made effective by the inverted fullbacks, right? So now the three guys on their own, uh, Callum's older than he was, he was never particularly great at uh, pressing. He's been made to lose the ball countless times because, you know, the same reason uh, actually Turnbull was losing it before, uh, the, the options aren't there, you know, mm-hmm. and they end up giving stuff away. They end up caught in two minds and making poor decisions and poor passes, and the options aren't there. And then, you know, just to, just to uh, add on to that, and not to jump through the entire team, but just to add on to that, when we were uh, discussing the games, um, the pre-season games, and uh, Maeda and Abada were looking great, you know, you were talking about how they were looking great, and I said, they look great because of space, mm-hmm. right? Because they run onto a ball, they are counter-attacking players that run onto a ball, and when they're facing the goal, they are a danger. With their backs to goal, they're not a danger to anyone except possibly themselves, right? So, they're, they're, you know, 
my AW's back to go is hopeless. A, a bad is not much better, right? So if you cannot create space for them to run onto or put them through, you know, that there is you've got no chance with those two players. And in fact, I think someone had said earlier on on Twitter um that he never played, Ange never played um sort of Abada and Maeda in the same team uh, for any more than a few minutes because it was always Jota, mm-hmm. you know. There's somebody, so they rarely play because they're both the same player. They're both great running onto a ball, but they're rarely, we rarely have that space, right? And then you've got Kyogo dropping deep, uh, and it's supposed to be the midfielders running past them to create the 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 ball, the through ball, uh, and uh, have a guy on mark coming through. But there was no midfielders running past anyone the other day because where there was no space, you yeah. know, and all and all you eventually ended up with it was Kyogo playing in a number 10 role, he was hardly getting any of the ball, you know, and then, you know, to make that worse, he wasn't at the end of any moves, um, you know, because he's he's dropping deep. And I like the idea of him dropping deep, but the midfielders have got to get beyond them then, mm-hmm. you know, because otherwise the entire team is just tap, tap, tapping in front of their defence and they'll take that all day. And that is the worst of what happened under Brendan at the end of his tenure before. And it was the worst of what happened, Lenny. And that was the, the, the brilliance of Ange and the reason he made us into a winning machine was he found a way past that. He found mm-hmm. a way to nullify that. Just attack is your best form of defence and he just blew them away. And if that didn't work, he made five subs at 60 minutes and the other boys blew him away, you know. And we only made three subs the other day. That's, a, that's an injury thing. But, you know, we only made three subs the other day, you know. And Taylor didn't get subbed. That's how it shows you how little he thinks of Burnaby. You know, Taylor didn't even get subbed when he got clattered, which cost mm-hmm. us a goal, you know. So, I mean, the, the number of issues there tactically, I, you know, Brendan's obviously a very, is a great quality manager. And, um, you know, I am not a tactician, but you can see what is not working. So I'm hoping he can see that as well. Because right now, as it stands, with the players we have, I'd be back to 4-3-3 and style with inverted fullbacks because that's what they're there for. And we don't yep. have the players right now to play any other way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're right, because it takes the dismantling of, of that system and replacing a, a huge number of players to play another system. We were so rigid and, you know, during Andy's time, people spoke about a, a, a lack of a, a second plan. Plan B was to do plan A better. We heard it all, John, right? But those players have been moulded into a very specific shape. And, right, even if you're not into tactics or um, analysis, 
you can see as a football fan, John, the midfield's getting overrun time and time again. And that's why you're highlighting Callum McGregor there because it's quite obvious that he is not getting on the ball. He's not being able to influence the game, the tempo of the game, orchestrate the game. And then you then ask yourself, why is that? Well, the most obvious one is the lack of bodies in there. They're getting overrun. And the two bodies that would have been in there previously would have been your two fullbacks coming inside, inverting the position inside there. And what that then would have... Uh, required is the uh, defensive qualities of particularly Maeda but your your right winger as well they're then not tracking back Greg Taylor's then looking up he looks as you say like a rabbit in the headlights when he's got the ball at his feet now because yeah. you know he's, he's looking up and the options aren't there McGregor's uh, accepting the ball and um, you know as you say he's got a man on his back now because there's not as much space because the bodies aren't there in the midfield area so I, I think that it all stems from that area of the park. You've also got, you said, uh, things going over your head. Well, the ball's going over his head a fair bit as well because the centre-halves and, and the goalie are now clearing the lines, which is something yeah. we you know, did. We simply didn't do it, John. We did not yeah. do that on the range. And by the way, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, you know, um, I'm missing Ange Postacoglu. He made a decision that off he went, off he popped. Why are we discussing them then? It's part of the, the, the beginnings of the issue that we're now facing. The injuries are something that you just can't legislate for to this particular degree, John. I mean, it's so disappointing when... If we get another injury between now and the third, particularly in the defensive area, we are really, really struggling. I mean, we're already struggling. I want to talk about how we're going to line up at the back. Um, about you and I... Paul, John, can I just say, you, uh, we sat here laughing. I did the other week uh, saying about can you believe, you know, I mean, the, the squad management is, is absolutely desperate. We have got seven centre-halves. Why yeah. do we need seven centre-halves? Now we're short of centre-halves. I know. It is frightening. You know, it is frightening, it's, it's John. Ridiculous, man. It's, it's a ridiculous situation. It really is. And, you know, another thing I was talking about, this isn't a big, big talking point. It, it's, it's something that we have touched on previously. In the past, if you find yourself with an injury crisis, and it is an injury crisis. It's not a club crisis. We're not quite ready to get the, the crest and show the broken crest graphic and all that, John. <laughs> but it's certainly an injury crisis. And in the past, um, how many Celtic players previously were introduced to the side? How many young Celtic players were introduced to the side because you had an injury crisis? They grabbed the opportunity with both hands. They became important members of the team. You never see that now. We don't even, like, we will not generally discuss, all right, okay, Who's the centre-half that's shown up in the reserves, the youth team, the B team, the Colts? Whoever is the next in line, you know what? There isn't one, right? And and, and I know that Lawal was was touted, etc. He's gone. He's away down to Fleetwood on loan. But, you know, even last night, I'm looking at the, the B team playing uh, East Kilbride and they get beat 2-1, but the goal scored by Rocco Vata. Where's he? Has he been banished yeah. to the B team? Yeah, well, the the strange thing about Rocco Vata is I saw the stuff about him uh, getting punted on, and you know, again, I liked what I saw of Vata. I know some people maybe that I loved the way he was direct. He did what a winger was supposed to do. He took the ball, ran to the byline, crossed the ball. That's you know, again, basic winger stuff, but he did it very well. Uh, and if I was those players, it must be incredibly demoralising incredibly dispiriting, you know, to, you know, be on the fringes of the squad, 
playing with elite professional players, and then you're back down to some ankle biters and and the you know the the lower leagues and the you know the lowest of the lower leagues. I mean, it's, what purpose does that serve? You're talking about playing against students. You know, mm-hmm. uh, against you know guys that you know, are barely qualified as part time. Um, I, I, what is the purpose of that? I, I, we went on and on and on about it last year, and every time we spoke about it, we said, "I can't believe it's you know it's been renewed again for another year." Because I just don't get it. You know, because once you're beyond the age of fourteen, fifteen, I've no idea what purpose that league serves for you, um, no. because you are not developing as a professional player. It is completely pointless. Completely pointless. And those lads, is it any wonder if someone came along and offered them a way out? And I don't mean a way into a first team. I mean a way into a proper academy, a way mm-hmm. into a proper youth team setup, where there was a possibility of development. They'd be off like a shot. Do you know what I mean? Because what are you going to do? You're going to hang about and play in that league? If that's your no, you'd be off like a shot. And is it any wonder they are? No, no wonder at all. I mean, some of the players from the team I grew up watching, um, made their debut 16, 17 years of age. I know times have changed, John, but you look at um, Roy Aiken, Paul McStay, Peter Grant. Peter Grant made his debut 17 years of age against Rangers. And there you go, and he, he was thrown in by Davy Hay, and he went on to play for the club right through to, you know, Vim Janssen was the manager when he finally left the club. And I think that, you know, people might be thinking, oh, the game's changed too much now. The answer isn't youngsters. You're right, the answer isn't youngsters. I'm asking why it's not because we used to have a plethora of them coming through. We're, we're looking at a defence now going into the game against St. Johnston, where we've sorted the Joe Hart problem. The Joe Hart problem, John, was that he kept giving the ball away because, you know, he, he was spending too much time with the ball at his feet. It was the reason his Man City career ended, and it was the reason that he was uh, a bit of a frustrating goalie over the, the whole, the entirety of the two years under Ange. He's a very important player, he was, as I said, time and time again, for the money we paid, he was an incredible signing. He's added a lot of leadership and, and uh, influence and experience to the, time, uh, the team that we needed at the time. But Rodgers has looked at him and thought, right, you need to be more effective. Don't play with the ball at your feet. So we've adapted for Joe Hart, and it's worked. And I think that the, the biggest compliment is we've not even discussed him over the Aberdeen or the, the Kilmarnock games. So it's worked for him, but the rest of the defence are a concern. So we're going into this game against St. Johnston, and I think I'm right in saying that we have two centre-halves fit. Two centre-halves, John. Unless you play a lot out of position, and I don't fancy him as a centre-half. I like him as a midfielder. I don't fancy him as a centre-half. Yeah, but ironically, Awata probably has more experience at centre-half than anyone else in the team. Mm -hmm. He he came up as a centre-half. He only converted to to a defensive mid uh, not that long ago, so he's probably one of the more ex- experienced centre-halves. But, I mean, it's going to be what uh, the choices are, big gusts uh, uh, and scales, is it? Uh, yeah. You know, and against St. Johnson, you're thinking probably got away with that, because uh, scales look to be playing fairly well, although it means moving big gusts to the right-hand side. Apparently you can play off both feet. We'll soon find out. Um but again, do you play a Wata in there as a far more experienced man, uh, you know, who is generally all round a better player than Scales, or going on the back of a couple of pre-season games where Scales looked half decent? Do you throw? Do you really roll the dice there? You know, um, and it is rolling the dice because 
in, in this period here, it could be incredibly important for our season. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, if we drop points against St. Johnson and then were to lose at Ibrox, you know, that's a real problem. Uh, but alternatively, you know, we win at St. Johnson, they've got problems at Ross County, we win at Ibrox, and we're flying. You know, so the issue is now that we have got, at very best, a patched-together team, you know, uh, and it is literally stick and plaster after stick and plaster. And on top of that, as I say, um, the the tactical switch as well. And then, you know, when you look at the experience of the young fellas coming in, um, and this is, again, with the, the recruitment end of things, you know, you're bringing in guys who, uh, you know, at the very best are replacements, but they're not improvements. You know, we're, we're hoping at this point that they will be adequate replacements for the guys that are going. Not improvements, just replacements. You know, I thought we were supposed to be getting better. I thought we were supposed to be, had this unified position on improving so that we could have a crack at Europe. I thought we had you know, KPIs now in place and accountability and actual targets for, you know, how we were going to perform in Europe. I mean, Europe is a long, long way off my mind at this moment. I, you know, domestically speaking, we'll be fine once everyone gets back from injuries. But the season could run away with you at that point. We only, remember, we only have to lose a few games, you know, and then the season could run away with you. And we're all sort of banking on laughing at them. We were, you know, the, the the legions of Mordor and how they were doing. Uh, but sure, they pulled one out of the bag, you know, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they've obviously, I mean, I didn't watch it, I, I don't watch it, but, you know, they've obviously pulled one out of the bag there. Uh, and regardless of what anyone says about how they, play, how they played, that's a result, you know, against a quality side. So, you know, could we do that at the moment? I have my doubts. Well, the the thing here, John, um, we're talking about domestically. You're right. You know, Champions League at the moment seems a long way away um, for me, which is disappointing because I felt yeah. there was building blocks season on season. We were talking about incremental improvements. and spoke about that. Brendan spoke about uh, Europe. But right now, where, where we're sitting at this moment in time, I can barely even think about Europe. Um, with, with regards to the situation at the back, we've kind of gone through every single permutation of possible lineup. One thing that I think was a good sign was the fact that Alistair Johnson was back in training. Now, whether or not he's going to be ready, I don't know. But I've got to say, um, just looking at what the point you made about Awata having played a lot of games at centre half over in Japan, Alistair Johnson has played there um as well. Yeah, he has played at centre half. And yeah. you think you know, with Lager Bielk, let's keep him on his favoured side on the left hand side, maybe have Johnston beside him, Ralston at right back, Taylor at left back. But these are the things we're scratching about, we're playing people out of position, etc. And that isn't ideal when not that long ago we had seven centre halves to play with. And now, <laughs> now we're asking people to come straight back in the team and you know what, play centre half instead. There used to be that joke. Sorry, Can he play Bob. left back? Remember the joke, not the view. Can he play left back? Because we just had a dearth of left backs for so long. <laughs> now we can't find a um, centre half. No, no, uh, and it's, uh, you know that, that I was thinking about coming down the road. Actually, it was a, it was about a bader, um, uh, and uh, sorry about Maeda. 
he reminded me of those, uh, you know, the two school jokes. Um, what do you call a, a deer been wise? Uh, no idea. What do you call a, a deer been wise? No legs. Still no idea. And that's, you know, when I look at him, that's what I'm thinking about. He's still no idea uh, when he's uh, running about, uh, letting the ball bounce off him. Uh, but anyway, I, 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 I diverge. So, yeah, no, I mean, we're... we're you know, it's a risk now, no matter what you do, because you, mm-hmm. you you could make the argument here that the best formation for us at this point is potentially a three-five-two. You know, uh, and is that the safest way to overload the midfield? Because that's what most of these games are won and lost. It's going to open up space around the back. But you know, Alata's pretty mobile. Big Gus maybe not so much so, but Alistair Johnson was pretty mobile, and he was playing on the right side of a back three for Canada. So. You know, is that an option for us? Um, mm-hmm. I, but again, in what sort of time? Why? What, what, what's really frustrating at this point is we had a really long preseason. Yeah. You yeah. know what were we doing that whole preseason? Mm-hmm. You know how, how can how can everyone be so clueless, and how can we not have noticed that these tactics are not suiting our players? It's it's just bizarre. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Go. I think you also mentioned as well as the length of preseason, which we always bang on about as being a positive, of course, because we went for many, many years where the qualifiers came so early. There was a lot of travel. You know what I mean, John? So uh, yeah. back in back in those seasons where we didn't have the luxury of six weeks off or whatever it turned out to be, uh, we tended not to be able to travel. And that's why we didn't do the American thing. We did it for a few years. But when the qualification rounds started coming earlier and earlier, we, we tended to go to places like Finland and stuff like that to play our uh, pre-season games. Now, we had that luxury, so we're travelling over uh, to Japan for the tour. We were going to go to South Korea, it didn't happen. And then we bring the game back to Ireland, we play the one game at home, the James Thompson, uh, the James Forrest testimonial. But we, if we do play the 3-5-2, the reason Forrest is in my mind, and the reason I mentioned James Forrest is, I, I reckon in terms of your defensive ability, because obviously to get up and down the park and, and give cover where necessary, Maida, not an issue with him on the left, on the right, though, I'm not sure Abad is that player. And I don't think, you know, it would be fair to ask Yang to become that player. If we go, if we do revert to a 3-5-2, I think you're you're seeing a a, a reintroduction a reintroduction to the starting lineup of James Forrest. I think that it's down to, you know, uh, defensive qualities then. And that again, people would see that an hour before kickoff and think, wow, 
we really are regressing here. I, I just think you've got to do what you've got in front of you to get the results on. We just need to get through this this injury crisis by getting the results in any any manner possible. Yeah, and uh, just to go off on a tangent again, uh, I recently, we, we now have a, a cocker spaniel uh, and when it was uh, when it gets on the scent of something and starts running head down, battering along, I thought that looks very familiar. <laughs> and then I realised it looks exactly like James Forrest. Jamesy. Yeah, uh, right. Jamesy. Uh, so we might, might be vehement if you name the Spaniel Jamesy. Uh, but well, anyway, I, the. the <laughs> he's, he's, but, uh, his, early nick, his early nickname at Celtic was Shooters, James Forrest. <laughs> and I can see why. Yeah. yeah. But the. Um, yeah, I tell you what, it was interesting. I, one of the few things that was interesting um, in that game. As you know, I sit and watch the game and take notes. I take a lot of notes, like a lot of notes, because you know I I I want to. My memory is not great, and I like to look back and think, you know, who did play well, who didn't, and the heat that you know. Without the, it's my it's my version of watching the game back, you know, because dispassionately you're writing things down, saying who who played a good pass, who didn't, all the rest of it. Um, and when the subs came on, I thought it made a real difference. Uh, to the momentum of the game. That first half, by the way, I genuinely struggled to stay awake. I, I, I've got a period of about half an hour in my notes, there's nothing written down. I, I, it, was, it was honestly propping my eyes open um, with, with matchsticks. It was it was brutal. Um, and when the subs came on, the, the first thing I thought straight away was in a game like that, the likes of Yang is infinitely more valuable to you than Maeda. You know, uh, the guy's got quick feet, he's got a trick. And that's exactly what you need to get through defences like that. You need skill to get through defences like that. Hard running uh, isn't going to do it because there's no space to run into. So you need you need a trick and you need the ability to get past someone. That's why Jota was so valuable to us because mm-hmm. when he got the ball, again, even, even when Jota didn't do anything with it, he could hold it up. You know, the ball didn't bounce off him and end up going back to the centre-back which is basically what Maeda was doing. He can't control the ball, so he he turns around, he takes seven touches and plays it back to the centre-back. And I'm not even trying to pick on him. That's just, you know, it's just a a condition of the way that we're playing at the moment. Because the build-up was so slow and so pedestrian. Uh, There was was no pace. um, and There wasn't anywhere near enough movement. Uh, It it was just tremendously disappointing. But I thought Yang looked all right. Uh, and strangely, what did you make of uh, Haksabanovic when he came on, Paul John? Well, Haksabanovic is a player we've discussed a hell of a lot, John. And um, I go back to when he was having a purple patch at the end of last year, November time, player of the month. We ran uh, a show with the tagline, um, why Haksabanovic is going to tear it up. Something along those lines, you know. So we were backing him, we're thinking the boy's got something. There was a, a kind of culty edge about him. And I just didn't think we'd seen the best of him. So I was looking forward to moving into uh, this new era under Brennan Rogers, getting some game time. When he came on, I felt that he, he certainly insisted on getting the ball. He showed for the ball a hell of a lot, John. Um, and I made the suggestion that it was a really uh, poor decision by the ref, but he was probably swayed by the fact that he'd the ref had thought Haksabanovic had played for one a couple of minutes before. And it shouldn't come into it, John, but we know that, I was going to say, we're all human, but we know how Scottish referees work. Um, yeah, yeah, that yeah back, well, John, the bar, excuse me, the bar room. Where's the bar room? 
Was it in a fucking Masonic call? Did they did they, did they send it back to the farm? Was he distracted by the fact he was sacrificing a goat and blowing up his trouser leg? But you know, how is that not a penalty? You know, I think... it, was, it was the most stonewall penalty. But you watch yeah. that bad. You can you can forgive the referee. Well, you can't forgive him really, but you know, you can excuse the referee for missing something. But that's what VAR's supposed to do. VAR's supposed to pick that up. Absolutely yeah. stonewall. And I think with Haksabanovic and the criticism he's he's got a wee bit this season, I think, from myself and others, is that he's not impacted the game, John. He's not impacted positively. Yeah. But that is exactly what he did with that one incident. He was impacting positively the game. He didn't get it. He, you know, and you could even see with, with the player's reaction, you know, you thought to yourself, this was the last throw of the dice for us. But you're right, it goes to, and this is meant to be an improvement, it goes to the VAR room. Who you've got? You've got dedicated VAR officials now, John, who are meant to be the elite in Scottish refereeing um, when reviewing it. And if they can't see it, then I think VAR is well and truly broken. If they can't see that that was a penalty kick, then you know we're we're doomed. We're absolutely doomed. Now, fair play for. Rogers not labouring the fact because he was focusing on the performance of of the team and the fact we have to do better and everything else. And I get what people are saying. Ah, oh, you know, it was one of the days we'd probably have missed the penalty. You know what? We scored that penalty and and we don't even talk about this game for the rest of the season. It was just a tiny little concern, you know, early in the season. But it's become much bigger than that. But look, I mean, you, yes, look, we didn't play well. But have you ever heard the saying you need a bit of luck? Cup run, you know, and that that's where it makes a difference, you know. So when you're not playing well, <clears throat> sometimes you need the chips to fall your way, um, uh, and you know we've been fortunate enough; we've just been very dominant, but we're not at the moment. So you know, we need the chips to fall our way, and by chips I mean actual proper refereeing decisions. I mean Greg Taylor gets smashed in the face, um, but what? You know, retrospectively, to me, looked like it would be a clear red. Doesn't even get checked. Then he's off the pitch, and the, the guy that smashed him in the face crosses the ball in for the goal to be scored. You know, uh, not booked, uh, not not affected in any way. And then we got, you know, at the other end, um, you know, we've got a stonewall penalty denied. Uh, you know, if either of those things are taken care of correctly, that's a one nil win to us. You know. But as they say, everything butts are candy and nuts. But, you know, so at the, at the end of the day, uh, we, we should have been good enough to put them away. And despite everything I'm saying here about the tactics, right, and it does make a huge, huge difference, there's still not a single player in that Kelly team that gets into our team. You know, Absolutely um, not. No, so you're right. it's, you know, we should have been good enough uh, and we were, and it was it was close. Look, I mean, I was I was looking back at my notes, and then I watched back the highlights. That you know, the ten seconds of highlights. Um, but you know, right at the start, there was a ball flashed across the, the goal for Oden Home, uh, and he just missed it. Mm. You know, it was an mm -hmm. it was an empty goal. All he all he needed to do was connect it, and he just missed it. Missed it, uh, and there you go. You know, that's you know, it's it's these small margins that can define games sometimes, especially when you're playing poorly. And by God. We played poorly. Yeah, we were. You're right. You're absolutely right, John. And I think that 
there was a chance for Yang. Kyogo laid on Yang and, it, and it, he puts it over. There yeah. are wee moments in games like this. And, uh, you know, it's happened to every successful team I've watched uh, in the hoops. And unfortunately, uh, we, we get knocked out. And then there's a bit of a, me- a meltdown as a result of that. And I think that the reason we talk about uh, refereeing decisions so often on Axon, John, is so that when you get beat, it's not that, that you're then trying to blame, blame the ref. We talk about it when we win games, when we win trophies. We talk about the bad refereeing decisions. So it's not as though we're reacting to the fact that we got beat and that's why we're trying to blame the ref. We talk about it every single time we play a game of football. Um, I'm really keen to get uh, your thoughts on all of these issues and more. Hatati apparently is refusing to sign a new deal. That's a big story. Um, Jota, obviously, John, during the week we heard that Jota's situation is a, is a bizarre one at the moment. But um, I, I made the point yesterday, and I want to know your thoughts about uh, the Jota money coming in so early in the transfer window. Has it affected the negotiations with some of the players that we wanted to sign? Are there clubs holding us to ransom? Um, that's something else to, to think about as well. Does that mean that two or three players that we might have been chasing all the way through this window are going to come in late, you know, when the clubs finally decide to sell them. Uh, Jungle Lion, I asked you to send me a picture um, of your destination and you did it on Twitter. You're sitting on a beach half an hour before Axon <laughs> kicked off. And you know what? I hope you're enjoying yourself. Um, Double Denim brings up the Hatati story. You're commenting on YouTube. If you want to get involved in the discussion, all you need to do is subscribe to the channel. It's free of charge. And as well as going out every day, every weekday or at half past 12 for an hour's chat on Celtic, we also create other content such as A Wander Around Paradise and there's a few other shows in the mix as well. Hatati will be a huge loss if he leaves. But we cannot and should not keep players who are not happy at the club. We were burned by that during the COVID season. Now, I've got virtually the same point, double denim, on my, my notes here. In relation to Atati, he's a player that I absolutely love, John. I've loved watching him, his development, you know, his introduction to the team, how he seems to progress season on season. And I, I actually tipped him this season, along with O'Reilly and Ibarra, to take another step up in terms of their development and their progress. If that means that it results in them going elsewhere, as I think it will with Ibarra, great. What you don't want is an unhappy player. Uh, and I think back to one of the first times I remember it happening, people will say to me they'll remember it with maybe Charlie Nick or Dalgleish before him. But I remember John Collins, it got to that point in his career, John, uh, where Tommy Burns ended up dropping him. Uh, Collins wanted out the club and Burns made a comment about if you don't want to play for Celtic, then it's over. You know, you don't try and keep them against their will and all that kind of stuff. Um, if it is the case, I do agree. As much as I love the player, and to lose Jota and Hatati, you know, in the same window or within a couple of weeks or months of each other, I think would be devastating because how do you replace them? The answer is you don't, you can't, uh, because obviously we've developed them over a couple of years. Uh, but if they're not happy, John, you know, I, I would be loath to keep an unhappy player. Well, I mean, you're, you're the, the not happy thing isn't just a not happy you know, uh, off the field. It has an impact. You know, yeah. uh, th- this is why we've been talking about Hatati. I mean, Hatati lost his place to David Turnbull. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> um, he's not exactly uh, been turning it up uh, in the pre-season. He was, his retention of the ball was absolutely shocking. Now, peak Hatati is absolutely sensational. 
but he has looked the epitome of a man who's had his head turned mm-hmm. um, since we come back. And that's why we were all talking about it. It's absolutely no surprise at all that he's turned down, turned down an extension. Um, and, uh, you know, he's protecting himself, it looks like to me. Uh, his effort is way down. And uh, I just, you know, if you, you can't say that uh, uh, that it's going to affect his um, performance if it's all just about the turn down an extension. But that's usually a clear indicator of the other thing, which is his head's turned and he's looking mm-hmm. elsewhere. Uh, and there's big money waiting for him. He doesn't want to get hurt. He's not playing that well. He's not interested in, you know, <clears throat> really changing that because maybe he doesn't want to play as much or whatever, you know, too much chance of getting hurt. Uh, you know, it, players who have um, interest from elsewhere, you can see it almost instantly in their performances uh, because the focus isn't there. The determination isn't there. Yeah. Edward, you know? Yeah. I think that was that was such an obvious example of it, John, because he's a, you fall in love with players. We should know better as fully grown adults, John. You'll get a grip, guys. You fall in love with footballers. That That's what this game does to you. And you fall in love with Edward and you're singing his song. It just so happens to be a Stone Roses song, so it's a double delight for me. And then, it, and then you're looking at him going, he's not trying. He's, he's just not trying a leg, you know, and somebody might point out he was still prolific and all that. I get it. I think that season, to be fair, I always, always mention the fact that Chris Sire clearly wanted to leave, but I don't think he saw that in his performances. I thought that he, he did, you know, acquit himself really well. But you're right, you can see it nail off, John, when a player's head is turned. It's the state of mind, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. They're, they're only human after all. Um, some of the, the comments come in and thanks very much Grant Liddell agrees with you completely um, his head has been turned you think back to um, you know way back 60s, 70s where you know Celtic players were turning up for international duty John and the, the international teammates some of, some of whom had gone down to England and the famous one is Lou McCarry talking about the, the money he was making down at Man United and you've got Celtic players thinking wow you know, lo and behold, Davey Hay, Kenny Dalgleish, these guys follow eventually. Um, and I think it's the same, you know, Ryan Christie's best mate was Stuart Armstrong and Tierney and, you know, they guys have gone down south and making big, big money. Rio's going to be the same with his countrymen at Brighton, for example. Uh, these guys are tight, you know, they still spend time together. And a big a big uh, part of that will be ambition by playing in one of the big leagues, of course it is, and also money. Of course it is. I mean, at that age, 25, 26. But uh, Tony McCann comes in and says that there's been an update with Stephen McGowan. To be honest with you, he's a, Stephen McGowan is a, a journalist that I've got a lot of respect for and I think that uh, he's very accurate in his reporting. So if the talks are ongoing with Celtic, great stuff. I hope we can get that ironed out and Rio Atati stays, um, you know, very much like Maeda and, and Kyogo have as well. Johnny Ryan, I think he will eventually leave. Um, I think it's maybe a bit too early for him right now, just as I thought it was too early for, for Jota as well, to be honest with you, Johnny. But uh, these things do happen. We are facing a lot of these issues at the moment. And Francis, going back to one of the previous points we discussed, can't excuse, can't excuse rather, uh, for refereeing like that. Diabolical. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that at all. Kevin Mullen, good afternoon to you as well. Simple, real state of mind. Been in question since Ange left. He wants to go, let him go. 
Celtic need to get the finger out, help Brendan out, bit of doom and gloom about just now. There is a bit of doom and gloom. And you know this, yeah. John? I think yeah. that's all right. If, if, if we're spending time, you know, for a whole week after a defeat, that that is fine as far as I'm concerned because you're not accepting defeat lightly. You're not accepting standards dropping. I don't think it's about throwing your toys at the pram, being entitled. It's just Celtic have got very high standards and we're going to have to try and maintain them. I don't, I don't well, see about... We're not spoiled by, by talking about this, John. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's exactly. I, I had that very discussion with a guy online, uh, basically, you know, especially with the older fans, um, uh, saying, oh, you know, the, 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 the fans are spoiled and... You know, we didn't win any trebles until the last, you know, you know, seven years, ten years, whatever. Um, but that is the standard now. So things have completely yeah. changed. You know, harking back to you know the you know fifties, sixties, seventies, it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, things have completely changed. We don't. We have a level of domination and superiority that means that the the you know. The, the treble is a standard that we should aspire to and be disappointed if we don't get. A double, I would say, is your bare minimum for, you know, a good season. I'd say that's an absolute necessity. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because you know, you're not telling me that if we just win the league, everyone's going to be happy about that. So if we just win the league and get pumped in Europe, lose two cups, everyone's going to be happy about that, are they? No, I don't think so. I think those, our standards are a bit higher than that. So... You know, uh, at least mine are. Uh, I, you know, I, I, and I don't think they're based on um, anything unreasonable. The standards have been set by the club and the players in the last decade or so, but they have proved themselves uh, to be pretty uh, dominant uh, in all domestic aspects. Uh, unfortunately, not so in Europe, and it doesn't look like we're going to make an impact in Europe this year either. But you know, which is incredibly disappointing from where we finished last year, and I thought we were just going to do a bit of tinkering. You know, then we had the foundations laid to to drive on, and we you know we could have a real go at Europe. Now we're already making the excuses, and no, oh, it's you know transition, and we're we're not going to do it, and you know we need this you know uh, sorted out, and that position sorted out. Is there a position we don't need sorted out? You know, I I think if you're you know, if you're looking at the transfers based on the way things have been going recently, it would be a lot easier to say what position doesn't need strengthened than it would be to say which one does. Uh, so, it, you know, it's it's really disappointing from where we've been last year. So there is doom and gloom about. There's no question of that. We have very high standards and we've already dropped off them. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just in terms of the actual outcome, in terms of the performance on the pitch. I mean, that is dire. And it has been dire. And it needs to be significantly better. 
It does. I mean, you, you gave uh, an example there. If you win the league, get packed out of Europe and lose both cups. Well, that was Ronnie Dyla's last season. And there was loads of unhappy Celtic fans in that particular campaign, John. Um, Will McMillan asked the question, why can't we replace Atati and Jota? Well, what I meant by that, Will, was the, the Jota we signed, uh, we developed them for two years before he became the £25 million all-singing, all-dancing Jota. And I think, yeah, you can buy, as we have done, actually, uh, with uh, right-wingers, we've bought Tilio and Yang. They might be a, a player in two years' time, John, who can impact the game the way that Jota did by the time he left. What I meant is, I just don't think you get a like for like. And that's why Celtic have gone into the transfer market and bought two guys with loads of promise, loads of potential. I I, I disagree completely there, Paul John, because you know who would be a fantastic replacement for Jota? Daniel Perez. Yeah, right. Well, yes. That takes us on to one of the strangest transfers uh, of modern times, John. The most bizarre thing I've ever heard. The most bizarre thing I've ever heard. Why couldn't get my head around was so you've spent twenty five million on a guy, uh, and you're saying you're you're going to what uh, just rip up his contract and let him go on a free, but he has to agree to that. Mm-hmm. So he has to agree to, to that happening, and he he would only agree to that if he was going to get transferred somewhere else for twenty five or thirty million, and you know uh, get that straight into his pocket, and that would replace the wages he's going to miss with them. But on his best day. If he wasn't going to a Saudi club, uh, he was a twelve to fifteen million pound player. You know, for you know any other team that didn't have a stupid budget, you know he was probably going to. And we we might have considered fifteen million for him, but twenty five mm-hmm. million is just ridiculous. But so he can sit in his hands, and they have to pay him thirty million quid, right? They'll have paid fifty five million quid for a guy who's never going to kick a ball. It's insane. Right, and if they let them go, they've just burned twenty five million quid. You know, mm-hmm. if they if they just let them go. And by all accounts, now I I looked through all the stories I could find, but all of them seem to be emanating from the same Saudi journalist. But that Saudi journalist is quite a prominent journalist. Who's a you know a, he's one of the talking heads and one of the main sports shows and all that sort of stuff. So maybe it does have legs, but it is. Mental, and they're talking about bringing in Salah, you know, and, and to replace him. And the reason why they're letting Jota go is because they're so underwhelmed with Jota as a signing. Uh, not even his ability, just his name, basically, because the other boys are bringing in Neymar and you know all the rest of it, and uh, they don't want foreigners coming in unless they are like unbelievable Galacticos, uh, and they're just going to punt them out the door. Twenty-five million quid, that is mental. Now. Imagine he is on a free and does come back. You know, so would we pay him 15 million to come back? Seriously. It's it's a bizarre scenario whereby that's the type of transfer that will be spoken about forevermore in football circles. You know, the, the player that cost X amount, tens of millions, and he lasted two months. <laughs> But the thing with that scenario, and, and I asked the question yesterday with, with Liam and Lawrence, was around: be careful what you wish for. You think uh, your world's going to get better if you, you know, you find this pot of gold and all this kind of stuff. And, and I've said it with, um, you know, in terms to a lesser degree with Albi and Ayeti, don't sit there and just count your pennies for the next year. Go and find a football club and play football because. Yeah. Jota's obviously, and you know, there was one reason Jota went there, and one reason only. 
that was not through ambition. It was because nobody can turn it down. I get it. But this is the flip side of it, John. This is the flip side. Yeah. This is how they'll treat you. Um, you know, it's only a matter of time before a football club's asking for, um, you know, part two of the, the money to be paid and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about Celtic. I'm just saying there's going to be issues here because they, in terms of the way that they are um, entering the, the fields of, of top-tier box office football, um, this this is new in relation to money's no new. A drop in the ocean. How can twenty five million pound be the drop in the ocean for anybody? That that's insane, John. So there's loads of other discussion points, but I, I do think you're right. I think that it was an inflated transfer fee for Jota. Of course it was, right? But how much has that affected our transfer business? Just let's just say we had three or four players who were maybe in the five six million pound bracket. How much are they clubs now asking for? Because I think, well, Celtic are cash rich. I want eight or nine million. But over three or four players, that's a lot of money. That's another player we could have. Do you think that's yeah. playing a part? Well, it might do. But that's that's one of the consequences of being successful. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? People know that you're successful. You know, it's not as if they don't, you know, they, they, look, at our, uh, they look at our accounts and know exactly what sort of money we can afford. And in fact... You know that's only if they're nitpicking because at the end of the day it doesn't matter. There's either there's either more than one club want the guy or there's not, uh, and the but there's no interest from anywhere else. Those deals are done quickly. <clears throat> so Big Gus himself, for instance, I said, you know he he was listed his value was listed on one of the uh, or a couple of the sites about a million quid. Uh, so even allowing those sites are usually dreadful. Let's call it a million and a half, two million. You know, we went in with three million, no messing about, two-footed tackle, straight in the door, get them done, uh, get them signed, get them in the door, and that's what happened. Uh, record uh, record signing for them, etc. So when there's no interest and the, the price is right and the interest is there, you know, in terms of they want to come to our club because our club's a bigger club, uh, then it's easy. It's dead easy, you know, but it's not easy in this mid-range limbo that we're, we seem to be in at the moment. It's not easy. But and this is where Ange was so important um, and why Ange did a job I don't think anyone else could have done and I've said it multiple times on here because he came in and he added huge value in terms of his knowledge of the Asian market. You know, uh, he called Kyogo his banker. You know, he knew Kyogo would be a massive success um, and he's, he's taken on all these other guys uh, who are nearly all huge successes um, so Brendan doesn't add any of that value because he spent so long in the most overpriced league in the world. Um, they were now entirely at the mercy of Mark Lowell. And here's a question for you. If it turns out Mark Lowell's crap at his job, what happens to him? Who's, 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 who's he accountable to? The CEO. And who's he accountable to? Do you know what I mean? So... Uh, you know, how, how do we get Mark Lowell out of the building? I said that when we took him on. You know, uh, how, you know, let's say he, he could be the best thing since sliced bread. What if he's not? How do you get him out? You know, who's he accountable to? So, you know, I mean, it's a real problem. And that's what happens when you don't have corporate, proper corporate governments and you have this, you know, um, really, really uh, unfortunate uh, sort of relationship too close um, between you know the members of the board and all the rest, of it. it's just musical chairs. It's all the same guys, old buddies, 
you know, the old Blazers Brigade. Uh, so, you know, you don't want to crack on about it because it's boring and it never changes and we can't do anything about it. But at the end of the day, it still matters. Uh, and it matters here now because we need Mark Lowell to pull out. You know, if he doesn't pull out at least three or four big names, done deals by the end of this, there's going to be, you know, the fans will be after his head. Well, that's how quickly it can turn, John. I'm going to bring this up from Kay Matsu. Kay Matsu has uh, been a long-time contributor now on Axon. Hatati is a professional. All the Japanese are. The very suggestion that they're not putting in a full effort is simply proof that whoever thinks such a thing has not got a clue. Well, what I would suggest is that you know far more about uh, the culture and the approach of these players than I do. However, in terms of someone's head being turned, someone's mental state, I think it was state of mind was actually used previously, I think we're all human. And that, that's what it comes down to. So there's a universal nature of someone um, not always being in the right frame of mind, state of mind, mood. Um, and some of the players I've seen over the time were, were ultra-professional who um, have had their head turned. I'm thinking, I've mentioned Edward, I'm thinking Van Dijk, Boyata, uh, Vaduka took his football boots off and refused to play the second half for Celtic. These guys were all professional, top-level top, top level yeah. elite footballers. So I appreciate your point. What I think I'm saying about Hatati is that, like all footballers, there's a universal issue where they need to be tuned in in terms of their state of mind, John. And if they're not, because they're unsettled, it can affect them. I mean, that's they've not got a clue comment. Is that that's someone who hasn't got a clue about the margins that make a difference in the mental focus of a player? You know, it's a small margins make a huge difference, and that's what having your head turned means. It doesn't mean that you've given up the ghost. You know what I mean? It just means that you know there's a hundred percent and there's ninety nine and a half percent, and those margins, you know, on the field can translate massively impactfully. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's uh, if you are thinking, I don't want to get injured or, you know, this deal hinges on that, I don't care how professional you are. You know, that that's what uh, that means by having your head turned. You, you've got that in the back of your mind. And if it's in the back of your mind, it will affect performance. And, you know, there's no pretending. It doesn't matter the nationality of the player. Uh, that's an irrelevance. As you say, there's been, I don't know, countless professional players over the years uh, and it's impacted their performance. It's a nonsense to think that uh, just because they're Japanese players will be any different. I, I watched an interview fairly recently with Gary Neville. Um, I don't know how many games he played for Man United. He was a one-club man, probably five or 600 games for the club. And he was on the diary of a CEO, oh, John, and he was talking about that very thing. He was playing a European game one night for Man United. And he was having issues with his partner at the time. And he was thinking about her during the game to the point where he had to check himself a few times during the game, concentrating the game. He couldn't focus on the game. So it could be any number of issues, John, a personal issue, an issue in your yeah. professional life. But if you're not 100% tuned into the game you're playing in, it can affect your performance. That's all we're saying. Oh, Listen... Aye, no matter where you're playing or where you're from. So, listen, loads to discuss. Uh, we never even got to who you play in the midfield. Does home keep his jersey or does uh, Turnbull come back to you? And I'm going to leave that as the final question before we go. Who do you play as a third midfielder, if indeed we Turnbull play with comes midfield? Turnbull, Turnbull comes, back. comes back. Yeah, especially for this game. Maybe, I mean, you, you would maybe home for the following game, but Turnbull comes back because the creativity 
uh, is important, and we're starting to see that the, you know the, the the losing of the ball in midfield is a you know a systemic issue as opposed to perhaps an individual issue. It's to do with the tactics. So you know, I would say Turnbull comes back. Home was decent. He was tidy, uh, but he, he, he's not affecting the game in any way. His, his final balls weren't accurate enough, uh, and he was grand. And just on a final note, slightly controversial, he wasn't sitting down any bitches, uh, you know, after that game, which is why you do your talking on the field uh, and not on Instagram. Yep, you've got to uh, let your feet do the talking, don't you, John? Listen, yeah. it's been uh, another good Wednesday. Tomorrow, uh, next week, you and I will be on again. Patrick will uh, return sometime after that, John. And uh, tomorrow I will be joined by James McKenzie, JP is uh, busy tomorrow in his full-time job and I'll tell you all about that tomorrow Um, and he will be having the time of his life I'm sure. Thanks everybody for getting involved in the chat Axom has won five times Uh, we've won awards for our content, uh, football content awards and we're uh, in the running for a few this year as well if you want to give us a wee vote, the link is underneath this video, please help out Axom and we'll try and bring another gong up the road this year, it's from Liverpool Um, Celtic obviously have won many a trophy in the past up against a lot of English opposition let's do it uh, in the world of podcasting as well, thanks everybody for getting involved and thank you to John Hughes for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.